got him, she said. Third story window. Can you get a grenade in there? She squinted her eyes a little, thinking, remembering the layout, and then nodded. Yes, sir. Okay, I'll give you some cover. He lifted himself up to peek through the passenger side window, and a bullet smacked into the vehicle. He counted three, then stood and began firing at the third floor of the apartment building. He saw a flicker of motion in one of the rooms, heard the sharp pneumatic exhalation of Forrest's grenade launcher. Orange flame belched from the window, and for a moment he saw the silhouette of a man with arms spread wide, then only smoke. That wasn't the end of the fight, but after that it all grew hazy. There were a lot of them. If the so-called militia had been well-trained, McCullough and his people wouldn't have walked out of the ambush with only two casualties. In fact, they probably wouldn't have come out of it at all. But what he was fighting was not another army, just a bunch of people with guns. It was the difference between disciplined Roman troops and sword-waving barbarians, and in under half an hour, the area was secure. The boy wasn't dead yet, but he wasn't a danger either. His shotgun lay ignored, and his hands were clasped over the hole his soul was leaking out of. McCullough stood there for a moment, watching his death complete. Again. And once more, he opened his mouth to say something, as if there was something to say, but he couldn't find the words he was looking for. There were no words. McCullough jerked awake, vaguely aware someone was talking, but the words were staticky, half-formed, as if from a radio station far, far away. What? he snapped. Sorry, Colonel. The static vanished, the syllables sharpened into language and a familiar voice. You said to wake you before morning, she said. It was Forrest, in fatigues, her cap in her hand at her side, looking a little apologetic. She looked older than in his dream. Her short, curly hair now had iron amongst the onyx, and wrinkles bunched at the corners of her lips and eyes. To look at her, the ten years since that day might just as easily have been twenty. He knew the same could be said for him. McCullough took a deep breath and smoothed his hand from his forehead back to the middle of his nearly hairless scalp. He was in his cabin on the Daedalus, lying on his bunk in his undershirt and fatigue pants. His dog tags jingled as he sat up. Anything to report? Nothing important, sir. We left the sound a few hours ago. The captain is waiting on you for his briefing. Good, he said. Tell him I'll be there in five. Yes, Colonel. He took the Beretta M9 from under his pillow and holstered it, then reached for his shirt. He had stopped counting how many times he'd had the nightmare. A decade had passed since he fired that fatal shot. It hadn't been the first time he'd killed someone. That had been years before, in a very different war, in a land so distant it now seemed like a dream itself. The circumstances had been similar, an ambush, and he had felt it, deep in his gut, the ending of that other life. But it had been necessary, and that was what soldiers did, had always done, since the first days of human civilization. What his father and his grandfather had done, and their fathers before them. Dying was part of the job description, but so was killing. That first man had had a mother and a father, probably a wife and children he loved yet McCullough had never lost sleep over him, never had a nightmare about him, much less one that visited him every few months like a spiteful ghost. Not like the boy. Why? It hadn't been his decision to put a gun in the hands of a thirteen-year-old 
and point him at trained, hardened federal troops. And in some times and places, a boy that age was already a man. He had met such young men in the last decade, their eyes as dead and cold as diamonds, childish ways long forgotten or never experienced, stone killers and adolescent bodies. But maybe that was why the boy beneath the toy sign left his mark in McCullough so deeply. That was in Seattle, way back in the beginning, when the plague first began its ghastly march, when the militias first started to form and fester like pus in a wound. That kid hadn't been a soldier. McCullough had seen that in his eyes. He was just a boy. The only prior combat he had ever known had probably been on a gaming console. No, his death was notable because it had marked the end of something, the loss of a country and a world that had the luxury to think of children as something to be protected from the worst life had to offer. But that had always been a sort of delusion, hadn't it? A part of the weakness.